Vendir de rotra diajakem, c'est d'autre alors rotra dis diajed en skiris otis fissier. Welcome to Con Lawyer, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me down the road a ways is William Annis. Hello. And uh, over in Maine, we have Mike Lentine. Hello. How are you guys doing? Hi. I hadn't been talking for 15 minutes already. <laughs> doing well. Doing well. Enjoying the weather. It's not super hot. It's nice. In like low 70s. It's comfortable. Yeah, it's been very nice here the last few days. It's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, there's not much uh, we can really start out with too much. Uh, we uh, already were talking about all sorts of uh, uh, nasty radiation stuff before the show. I may stick some some in the outtakes. Uh, <laughs> Short did... story, don't lick radiation. That's bad. Anyway, so we're going to talk about face and politeness. Now... We've touched on the subject of politeness a little bit before. Way back in episode 9, we did formality and register, which sort of intersects with politeness systems and how do you address different people and such. But um, this has a little bit more of a, a theory-oriented, not so much linguistic theory as social and pragmatics theory. Yeah. So, um, William, you... you have a whole bunch of notes on this, and I think we can sort of go through all these different sort of definitions and stuff if we if we just sort of get started on it. So sure. So back in the eighties, um, Brown and Levinson—I don't know their first names offhand—developed um, a politeness theory that really focuses on the concept of face. Um, and the use of the word face to indicate someone's personal integrity and so on and so forth is actually pretty widely spread in human languages. It's not just um, something from East Asia. And in the really simple view, you have positive face, which is pretty simply the want to be liked by people or respected by people. Mm -hmm. And so the phrase positive politeness refers to things we do to help others Save positive face. Uh, and then we get to the negative ones. And the terminology is a little confusing unless you've been exposed to philosophy before. But negative face is the want to maintain personal territory and freedom from imposition. Mm-hmm. So negative face is what's um, challenged when someone asks you to help them move. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, and this is really confusing. Negative politeness is not impoliteness. Negative politeness is... Strategy is used to define strategies we use to help others avoid a threat to their negative face. Okay. So instead of simply out and out asking people to do things, we hedge it and do all sorts of things to make it easy for them to get out, at least theoretically. Mm -hmm. Um, And certain kinds of speech um, are inherently face-threatening. Requests, compliments, invitations, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Obviously, things like insults are, but that's pretty obvious. We're not going to talk too much about that today. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the basic framework of the theory we're going to be talking about today. You don't need to, you know, if you're inventing a conlang, you don't need to sit down and do a chart with positive phase, negative phase. You know, you don't need to do that. But I find it a useful 
way to organize your thoughts mm-hmm. for whatever you want to do in your conlang to do this. And certainly, as in any linguistic theory, um, not everyone thinks their theory is very good. Their base languages included things like Tamil and Tzotzil, which is a variety of Mayan. So I think we can, we're sure that they're not simply um, European languages mm-hmm. that do all of these things. Um, but nonetheless, it's a, a useful tool. Yeah. So basically you have these sort of two opposing forces that are not, I think the positive and negative was sort of a way of them saying that these are two things that are opposing each other in a way. Yes, right, right. I mean, it's a standard yeah. sort of philosophical terminology to use, but it, to, at first blush, especially the way that we use the word negative to describe someone's mad, um, poor attitude, um, mm-hmm. can can cause confusion. Yeah, but the you know the idea of you want people to like you, but you also want to maintain personal space. Right. And right. Now here's so. a quick question. You said they're their source languages um, were Tamil and uh, what was the other one? Tzotzil. Tzotzil. Um, do these strategies and these levels of positive and negative face vary greatly among language? Or is it pretty much like in English you might say, you know, oh, would you pass me this? But if you said that in Spanish or another language, for you know, word for word, does it still have that face-saving feature? No, probably not. There are different – I mean, what we're talking about here – and the example you gave is sort of an indirect um, strategy. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of different ways to do that. Not just English. English's technique, which is to ask questions um, that we don't actually want the answers to. That the, we ask questions when we give commands in English, to be polite. By the way, the, <laughs> these those researchers are uh, Penelope Brown and Stephen C. Levinson. Okay. Mm. And there are, there are other ways to do this, to be indirect. Yeah. Like in um, Nahuatl, one way to be polite is to do some complicated thing where you make something a causative and then detransitivize it again. And that sort of adds a bit of distance and indirection to what you're saying. So there are different, lots of different ways to do this. Um, it, we're just going to be talking about, I mean, we're going to be using a lot of English examples because it's easier to find. Um, mm-hmm. But there are different ways you can take it. Right. When we talk about taking an indirect strategy, there's lots and lots of ways to do that. Okay. Besides so, just asking questions. All right. Let's talk a little bit about there are a lot of different acts that are um, are considered face-threatening. Yeah. And depending on whether it's positive or negative also. And uh, we have the Wikipedia article on this is very good, by the way. It has a very good summary of the whole thing. And uh, you can look at things there. But a couple of things that may be surprising is, like, a, com- a compliment can be a, um, a threat at the listener's negative face. Yeah. Which is, it seems a little odd to think of, but you can think of, like, if... Negative faces, your desire to be independent of other people. It's also your, the part of, of you that doesn't want to care what other people think. And there's the issue that certain kinds of expressions dep- might be culturally inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? Being complimented in some cultures, you may need to backpedal out of that pretty quickly, whereas in other cultures, it might be more tolerated. So there's cultural issues as well. Right. Um, so, I mean, you have to consider that as well. Well, there are a lot of 
cultures where a compliment, it, the, where you're supposed to try to beg off a compliment, compliment. So mm. even, even our, in our own culture. And right. there's some kinds of compliments that can be considered like offensive, but that's a little bit more, that's something we should get more into when we get into like, um, uh, some, some Gracian principles applying to this and such. Sure. So things, just a quick rundown of various kinds of things that might threaten people's face. So various kinds of threats to positive face are expressing disapproval, disappointment, um, complaints, um, obviously making fun of someone. Wait, isn't that um, negative? What? Disapproval, isn't that to negative face? No, that's approval. When positive faces the desire to be liked and to have a good. Oh, that's right. Okay, sense. so right. A pre- expression dif- dis- disapproval. Yes. Okay. Simple disagreement. Um, really inappropriately strong emotions. Um, inappropriate topics. Um, non-cooperation. That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, other threats are for negative face are orders and demands, threats, promises can be because they might um impose um. Reciprocal requirements, um, that sort of stuff. And remember that different, you've got the speaker and you've got the hearer and you have both of them having to deal with face. So if I'm offering an apology, that's threatening my negative face. Uh, if I'm accepting sure. something from you, that's also a threat of negative face, especially in cultures where that imposes reciprocal expectations. Right. So you gotta think about both, both people in a conversation have Neg- potential threats to uh, both positive and negative face when these sorts of circ- uh, conversations are happening. That's actually, um, you sort of gloss over it, but a good point is, you know, what obligations do you get, do you end up having from accepting something or so, yeah. or yeah. Uh, in a culture that has uh, a, a strong gift economy, accepting a gift, might be a lot more face threatening than accepting a gift in our culture. So you uh, have to think about very a lot of very different sort of cultural things when you're when you're working with this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, con- yes, this is a strongly con-worldly topic. The more you start digging into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we want to just talk about a few of the basic the four basic politeness strategies. Are we ready to move on to that? Yeah, sure. we can we can talk about that. Um, so the first one, which is funny that it's called a politeness strategy because it's typically the least polite, is called bald on record. That means you just say what's going on. And the two main circumstances where you can do this are when the face threat is so mild it hardly matters or when the uh, urgency of the situation demands that you not go through the effort to be polite. Right. So things like things like watch out um, – probably doesn't need to be couched in very polite language most of the time. If there's a fire and you need to evacuate, nobody stands on ceremony. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You, you just you you can give direct orders to the king if if there's a fire. So Yes. Move your butt out of the way. Yeah. Or when it's something like very, very mild, right? Asking someone to pass you the salt at dinner may not require very much in the way of politeness dances. Because that's in, just yeah. that's just something you expect to happen at dinner. In most circumstances. Right, in most circumstances. I mean, I do remember one thing that I thought was interesting is the story about the guy who, the American who was in China, 
who was studying Chinese, and the local kids called him Xie Xie Xiancheng, which <laughs> means Mr. Thank You, because mm-hmm. he was saying thank you for all sorts of stuff, which is polite in American English, but the Chinese were like, well, that's just basic courtesy. Why on earth are you thanking someone for that? Right. Right. So that's, uh, that that's that's something that comes up. That's something that came up in our very old episode. But yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of different cultures will have different views on what these things are. There are there are a few things that are probably universal, but right. My guess is that people who are in a foreign country learning a foreign language are probably over polite for fear of doing something stupid. Or they're taught that way because that way if they make an error, they're still, you know, in the safe zone. Right, right. And people do expect sometimes different things from foreigners than from locals. Yeah, yeah. I think with a certain amount of goodwill, you can avoid most problems. But yeah, yeah, I think sometimes learners might overdo it. Well, I mean, there's there's sort of an aphorism of non-native speakers should avoid using swear words taboo words just because it's very complicated when you get to say those things yeah all right so that's the bald on record that's usually for things that are trivial or more entertainingly very urgent yes so positive politeness is where we said you know help people save positive face and there are various ways you can do that you can claim that some sort of solidarity between the speaker and the listener Mm -hmm. that they're cooperators or they have some sort of common ground um, or you can do something to uh, fulfill a desire that the person you're imposing on has. Right. You know, this is when you compliment someone and then ask to borrow some sugar. <laughs> yes. Sort of make make the uh, the the uh, listener feel good about themselves. Right. Or, right. Or um, uh, one in here that's listed here is include both speaker and listener. Yep. In the activity. So, um, let's, you know, let's go to the movies or let's, let's, uh, get this cleaned up. That sort of thing. Sort of. Sure. If you, if both are included, then that lessens the, the threat. Yeah. Um, for, you can express interest in approval. You might exaggerate things. You know, what an amazing house you have, that sort of stuff. Mm hmm. Uh, one dangerous strategy is to use in group language. Um, this can blow up in your face, at least in English, because I always know when a telemarketer is on the phone because they call me Bill. <laughs> right? They're trying to use a, hey, we're just mates kind of language when I don't ever answer to that name. Yeah, this, <laughs> this, this, this can be really uh, awkward. And I think in Anglophone culture, this is very, very sort of the, this sometimes people end up getting a little bit too friendly. I re- I've, I've remembered working in jobs where you had to wear a name tag and people would call me by the first, my first name because it was on the name tag. And it's like, that's, you yeah. don't know me. Like, right. <laughs> right. you don't know me. You just are reading my name. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 so that's a little bit of a pragmatic thing. Sometimes like these things are politeness strategies that are meant to Reduce face threats, but in a way, sometimes if you do them in an inappropriate circumstance or when, or like overdo them, they can actually, uh, make more of a face threat, I think. I, I think not necessarily more, but yeah, it can go wrong. If you overuse 
or use too strong a strategy, it might not be effective because, first of all, you, right, people will be like, why the hell are you talking to me this way? <laughs> Second, you might you might be exaggerating the actual face threat involved um, by using an overwrought strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go awry, too. It just sort of, you know, makes people uncomfortable rather than doing anything useful. But um, um, there's there's a few more of these things you can you can promise somebody something, uh, which is it's 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 very much a social thing, less than a language thing where you, know, yeah. you, you offer to do something in exchange for something um, or um, you can try to minimize disagreements. Right. And uh, or you can make a joke, which sure. is interesting. That's another one that could backfire on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> I uh, remember um, asking a coworker's wife. Um, she's Chinese, and we were talking about funny things. I said I always enjoyed when I asked a teacher a question, um, and I got that inhale through the teeth. Um, and her said, "Oh yes, Chinese don't like to say no." <laughs> yeah, right. But that that inhale through the teeth is like, uh oh, <laughs> they have to spend some time to avoid disagreeing with you overtly, and they're thinking of things to say. But yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, avoiding disagreement or you know hedging things a little bit is, is quite a way to do this. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the. I guess the next one is the negative politeness strategies. This is yep. to uh, to of to lessen the impact on someone's negative face, which is yes. again, uh, they're your sort of wait negative face is want to maintain personal territory and freedom. Yep. And we already talked about being indirect with somebody. Yes. Yeah. That's uh uh the a fairly common thing is is in English we we address a command or request with a more indirect question. Right. What's funny about that in English is we've gotten so accustomed to giving orders with questions that we can say truly appallingly rude things that are phrased as questions. Right. Well, you put that more, well, that moron shut up. <laughs> Why won't you shut up? You know, that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, it's pretty funny. Well, um, that's, that's probably just sort of a historical, uh, yeah, motion. Right? You, <laughs> the thing becomes so routine that you, the way you make requests of people is to ask questions that even in, impolite ones, um, get pushed, um, into that form. Um, if I'm remembering correct, I think it's Hindi. Um, where their way of being indirect is to use causatives. So you don't ask people to do things. You ask for them to cause to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can be extra polite by using a double causative, which sort of implies you have an army of servants running around yes. at your beck and call. Um, so we're usually because English is the convenient example, using questions as ways to be indirect. But there are lots of ways to be indirect. Um, causatives are one um, option as well. Um, you can... Uh, Use funny things like passives where no one is responsible at all. <laughs> uh, you, you know, see, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example where you want to say that something is done, right? You know, gentlemen wear ties. <laughs> well, that, that's not a passive, but that is a, a, uh, that's, that, that's just generally sort of an indirectness thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sort of. Mm. Um, you can minimize the imposition. So, you know, if you, if you are saying, um, the Wikipedia example is like, if it's not too much out of your way, just a couple blocks, that sort of thing is, you know, it sort of 
sort of suggests that it's not really a big favor that you're asking right, for. Right, right. Minimize the threat. Um, one of my favorites is to be pessimistic. Yes. You know, you're not available tonight, right? Right. right. You give them, you're, you're giving them a way out by suggesting that they're not available to do the <laughs> face threatening thing you're about to request to them, but. Which mm-hmm. is funny because there, a positive politeness strategy is to be optimistic about something. Right. And then a negative right. is to be pessimistic about something. So you can go yep. either way in different situations. Well, I think also the negative one is, um, it's letting them have the, that trap door kind of out by kind of by agreeing with you or it's balancing the playing field a bit where you're like, you know, oh, you're probably really busy. So, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to do this for me, would you? Then they can right. kind of not have to be the one who brings up that they're busy. You've already kind of given them that little bit of right. a, a way right. out. Right. And hopefully you won't be accused of being passive aggressive. <laughs> uh, yep. One, one thing is to, again, being doing the, the, the negative politenesses, uh, apologize for asking them to sure. do something. Uh, I think another one is it sort of within, both sort of apologizing and being pessimistic is um, sort of like, uh, excuse me, or, or, you know, um, is it, would it bother you if I asked a question? Things like that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another one is to, go ahead. Uh, no, no. In, in Chinese, you can, you can start a request with ma fan, which means like, literally like bother or annoyance. Oh, okay. And sort of. As a way of saying, like, is it is it too much trouble for you to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when talking about things that are going on, Ness is not necessarily making demands or requests. You can use impersonal constructions, like things just happened. You could say it broke rather than you broke it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of many ways to make indirect the, comment. There's one strategy that's that happens a lot, at least for English speakers, where, um. I th- you you actually brought it up like gentlemen wear ties this sort of mm-hmm. uh phrasing it as a general thing of politeness in order to get someone to do something yeah. which like to an extent it's another one of those things that end up sometimes ends up being deliberately overdone such that you say it in such a way that it offends people more <laughs> Right. I mean, we've not brought up the ghost of Grice yet, who talks about implicature, right? And there are rules about how we say things, you know, be relevant, be appropriate, (laughs) don't say more than is necessary. And yes, being excessively polite in the wrong circumstance is going to come off as hostility or possibly passive aggressive hostility, but um, certainly can be misinterpreted. Um, Or if you're doing it on purpose, it can be interpreted perfectly correctly, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's always possible that overdoing it is going to cause problems. Right. Um, and s- you can use these politeness strategies to communicate additional message, right? If you switch immediately from one politeness register or strategy to another one, mid-conversation, you might be telling somebody something of that. Right. Like, um, you know, you could be uh, even telling them that you're distancing them yourself from them. Right, right. Um so yeah, um, well, again, another way to deal with negative politeness is just to state outright that you are incurring a debt by making the request. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
But also, but also, if someone's doing something of, on their own that is threatening their negative face, you could also, you know, minimize the debt as well. Right, and I think one we've been what we've been talking about a little bit circularly is the last politeness strategy here, which is off record, indirect, which is like that, you know, gentlemen wear ties or sort of making a statement. Uh, one example is it's getting cold in here, which in said in a, a certain, in, in the, with the sort of implicit goal of getting someone to do something about it. Sure. Yeah. Yes. I need more people to help me move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. You don't need to, you just say that without asking anyone directly. Right. It's yeah. Don't you hate when you have to move and move all those boxes by yourself? It's great when you can have, you know, if someone's helpful and can come over and help <laughs> me around 3 p.m. Doors open. <laughs> this is where. <laughs> now, if you say something like, you know, are you cold in here? Like, you know, like, is it just me or is it cold in here? Is that kind of an off record, off record, indirect request? Because obviously, you know, you're requesting that they they turn the air, the heater on or something. Yeah, and it's kind of pessimistic too, in the sense that you're giving people an out by suggesting it might only be you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We done with the strategies? Yeah, I think I think we're done with the actual strategies. So there are various other things that play into this. One is just social intimacy. People you see every day, friends, um, and even family members for whom you have a high degree of respect and are expected to be polite to, can tolerate less high levels of politeness strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the dominant situation. Are you talking to your boss or you're talking to a friend? So in that situation, um, what a boss is allowed to get away with in terms of especially negative face is quite different from what an employee um, or a friend is. And this is a little bit, um, uh, both the social intimacy and the dominance, how much they count for things does sort of depend on culture. We've talked about before with uh, polite uh, and familiar personal pronouns that some cultures consider the parents dominant over the children and their dominance of the children is more important than the familial relation and right. other cultures like our own don't consider it that, that important. Right. Right. Um, and right. You get weird, different kinds of business cultures where some make a move to be more intimate, which aren't necessarily. So yeah, it can get pretty complicated. Um, once you add these extra elements mm-hmm. and we've talked about more of that in sort of register and that long, long ago episode. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I've talked a little bit about Grice and the Gricean conversational maxims, which we don't need to go into now, but you know, one of the things is be relevant and communicate the right amount of information. So you can say things that look like face preserving behavior but might be very aggressive. Things like, well, bless her heart, sounds polite, but might not be, depending on the circumstances. Yeah, and we could do a... a, um, a, So Grice came up with sort of a theory of sort of some of the the early work of pragmatics. Yes. And what we're talking about with Grice is uh, a, a couple of different rules. William was talking about the maximum of quantity, say exactly as much as you need to say, uh, the maximum of quantity rather, 
yeah. then maximum of relation, which is uh, say stuff that's relevant to the conversation. Right. When, the point the point of these maxims is it's not like that we're following rules. I mean, we normally follow these rules in conversation. By not following these rules, we communicate an additional message, which Grice called implicature. Right. So, for example, if somebody asks, you know, my boss for a job referral about me and my boss says that I'm always on time, mm-hmm. that may not be <laughs> um, the uh, reference I want. Yeah. And we could do a whole it, episode. Right. It's breaking the maxim of quality. It's saying something that um, is true, but is not entirely relevant and is hardly sufficient to the task of giving a job recommendation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we could spend a whole episode on grace, but the, the whole idea was uh, just to distill it down is Assuming that everyone is being cooperative, that is, everyone's being truthful and trying to help each other in a conversation. Yeah. We follow these rules, and if we appear not to be following these rules, then it's some sort of hidden message, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we, how we get conversational implications. But anyway, that's something for another podcast. I'll yeah. wait to Grice's maxims just so people know like the basic four rules, but the, there are, um, there are some fairly, the, there, it's, it's fairly, um, obvious what, ha- when, when you're violating the maxims or when you're, uh, actually, um, doing some sort of hidden message sort of thing. Right. And I only bring it up because flouting the maxims and causing implicatures, it can also play in interesting ways with, um, various of these strategies. Now, an interesting thing here is, like, if you are using, like, not necessarily your con language, but different con cultures in a fictional setting, mm-hmm. then a great sort of way to cause some, like, you know, hilarity ensues situations or some some odd misunderstandings is having cultures that choose different uh, face-saving strategies. Now, is it... Face-saving and facing a lot, is it just with requests or um, is it also like, for example, in some cultures, commenting on someone's weight is considered impolite or taboo and other cultures, it's fine. That's another, that's another sort of thing. That's another, yeah, that's another positive face threat. Yes. If you, if 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 you mention someone, well, in our culture, if you mention someone gaining weight, it's a positive face threat. Right. But in some other cultures, it wouldn't be. In some other cultures, it would be complimentary. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. Talking about anyone's personal qualities, what they are, regardless of what they are. Um, it's some sort of face threat or another. Yeah. It's potentially a strong face threat. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about at all and which in my understanding of the state of the art politeness theory and its various, you know, the work that is followed on it and commented on it and, argued with it and so on and so forth is how does the audience fit into things, right? You can have this, these face threats going on between two people talking, but how does the person or people around them interact with this as well? You might need to move to yet another strategy or tweak your strategies depending on who's around. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it's, it's sort of part of it is like the audience might be offended on the listener's behalf Right. Sort of thing. 
Right. Or they might be implicated in the face threat if they're related to one or the other of the people or closely allied with them in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, one thing that sort of comes up is, um, uh, something that has sort of recently bubbled up is like in our own culture is, uh, for a long time, it has been sort of customary that, you know, in any situation whatsoever, it's perfectly appropriate to compliment a woman on her appearance. But more recently with, with different feminist movements, more and more people are sort of offended by that. And it's often like an audience being offended on the listener's behalf. Sometimes right. it's, it's the listener directly offended, but. Right. Or if you pick the wrong strategy for someone who deserved a better one, you know, that's, yeah, there's many possibilities. Yeah. Um, for the audience not in the conversation to still, um, be implicated somehow. Right. Um, in the, the whole politeness system and face threats. Right. Um, and I'm merely bring it up without offering any solutions because I don't know how deeply that's been thought about. Mm, that's, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, Unless we have other things to talk about, I want to have one last warning for people, especially those who are coming up with politeness systems for fiction. Don't overread or overreach. Right. Um, some politeness formulas, quote unquote, are simply routine, right? One critique of their theory is that it sees nearly all interactions as potentially face-threatening in some way. That's probably uh -huh. excessive. Um, <laughs> anyone who's anyone who's read the Dune books knows all about the Bene Gesserit. And sometimes you wonder how they can get anything done in a day because they're constantly squeezing every last drop of meaning and implication and some sort of vast cosmic importance to every single word said. Right. It's, it's exhausting. Um, and I blame the people who write about the elves. Sometimes mm. elves have very complicated and obscure politeness systems um, or whatever, you know, the elves are in your science fiction universe. And so there's... There's sort of something to be said for, um, uh, I see a lot of in, in sort of science fiction and fantasy, um, a lot of situations where people don't sort of take into account, like, the, 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 uh, the effect of giving, giving the foreigner a pass or something like that, and thinking, making very sort of minor politeness things into a huge deal because this this particular culture if you do this thing a certain way it's it's a serious offense but usually that's not what happens in intercultural mm. situations yeah it's usually some sort of negotiation because people are aware of the fact that cultures differ and that these other people might not see things really that that uh that same way I know that we've uh, mainly been talking about with language, but also body language can go into this. Like, uh, off, I think in, in Chinese culture, I think you offer something with two hands, not just one, and you receive it with both hands. If you were to just like toss something to someone, that might be considered a face, uh, a threat to the, a threat to face, or right. uh, I think in some cultures you, you're not supposed to show the soles of your feet or your shoes or something to people, yeah. like when you're sitting down. So if people are writing about Kong cultures and maybe writing stories to go with these Kong cultures. There are lots of threats to face that are not that are nonverbal, and can cause great, um, you know, interaction between your characters or con cultures, or at least a stern talking to by your dancing master. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's it's probably more likely 
for you to get a stern talking to in those sorts of things, like the offering gifts in an inappropriate way or something, than to really, like, seriously cause problems. Unless, like, it's someone who is in some, like, imperial power position that's, like, super full of themselves. Hmm. But, like, you know... You, you hear all sorts of warnings when people go deal with other cultures and things like, you know, if you go to Asia, you're not, you don't ever like stick your chopsticks into the rice and leave it there because mm. of implications of that's how you offer things and an altar to the dead. But I don't think many people are going to be like seriously offended if an obvious foreigner is making that mistake they might just mention it and say you don't do that right but they're not going to like throw down their their chopsticks and and walk out the door or anything right and you just mentioned an indirect uh strategy which is you don't say you don't do that you just say that's not done (laughs) right (laughs) people don't do that Uh, you avoid the Direct, you just state a general rule, um, is a, is a good, a somewhat indirect way of, of avoiding a threat. Sure. Because then it's not like you're the one who has the problem, that's society. So I'm just the right. messenger. Is, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, just, just, just mention, okay, well, the, yeah, it's, it's not like you don't have a problem. It's just, I need to teach you something about yeah. our mm-hmm. culture. That's, yeah. that's the sort of thing that is more likely to happen in that situation. But I agree with that. Some science fiction uses obscure and sometimes opaque and laughable politeness requirements of another culture as the engine for a story, and that's a little yeah. Boring. And that that's especially that's the, in, in yeah. That's that's the biggest thing is when these obscure and bizarre cultural practices are like so over, so incredibly rigid that they drive the plot. Yeah. So it's 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 a little annoying sometimes. I agree. But anyway, I think that's all we can really say about that. And um, that is, I feel like that's a very good overview of how face can sort of involve itself in your con culture. Not, we didn't talk so much about language so much. A little bit. bit. I mean, all of these things are mediated by language. So it's something to think Mm -hmm. about. Um, In particular, thinking about ways that you're going to handle indirection. Yes. Right. English asks questions, but other languages might prefer impersonals or weird uh, transitivity things like the causatives. You know, there, there are different causatives. things you can do. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, in the the last episode, the way back when you mentioned Nahuatl has this thing of having a causative or a complicative and then a reflexive to like negate it. That's mm-hmm. or. It's, there, there can be all sorts of things. And sometimes, if it's grammaticalized to a degree, it kind of mostly only matters where it came from and not so much what it is now. Cause yeah. when, when we ask those sort of request questions in English, we almost, we don't really think of them in, as questions anymore. Nope, we didn't. No. Um, but then there's all, often things that are overtly different and, like I said, in fiction, you can have like little characterization moments where someone uses a politeness strategy from their own culture that's more prevalent for them, but less prevalent for another group. Or you can have them overdo a politeness strategy or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that about does that. Uh, our next episode, 
if I can find it, the uh, thing. So let's actually take a look at our next episode is an interesting one. It's going to be on weird ideas for Oxline. So it's sort of a conline feature, but it's a bunch of odd little things that we we don't necessarily want to spend full episodes on. That so things like bliss symbolics and soul and all those mm-hmm. those things that are sort of Oxlangs that are derived from odd or unusual reasoning on the part of the creator. So look forward to that in two weeks. Two weeks. And uh, I will say for William and Mike and for all of you guys listening there, happy Conlanger. Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find our archives and show notes at conlangery.com. You can send questions, comments, or topic or featured language suggestions to conlangery at gmail.com. To submit a conlang or natlang greeting for the top of the show, see our contribute page for details. Web space for conlangery is provided by the Language Creation Society, and our theme music is by Null Device. Don't lick the radiation. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that seems like good advice. That really? suddenly reminds me of a story I read about, like, early on when they had women uh, working in factories painting radium dials on watches and stuff. I've heard about that, yeah. And, like, they would lick their paintbrushes to wet them. Mm-hmm. So they were licking licking radioactive materials and and like paint their nails with radium and stuff and it's like <laughs> mm, and delicious. basically they all ended up with severe cancer and several of them had to have jaws amputated it was